heard the rest. Now here's the best. Stay tuned, Sports Podcast. And hello there, everybody. All you stay tuners, welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports. It's your good friend Jimbo here, alone for this episode. Uh, shoulders couldn't make it today, as well as Allentown. But we still have some good topics to talk about and give my takes on it. But before we do all that, um, head over to Twitter, follow us there at ST Sports Podcast. Like and share our Facebook page, as well as our YouTube channel. And now head over to our website, staytunedsports.net. We actually are partnered up with uh, Fanatics. So if you want to get any type of collectibles or just jerseys in general, hats of any sports, head over there to our website. Click that link and, you know, buy that birthday gift or, uh, you know, with Easter coming up, I don't know if the little kids want Carson Wentz bobbleheads you know maybe tony romo bobblehead speaking of him we'll begin to him later making more money than he probably well we'll get into it. i'll tease you a little bit there but uh so i believe it was last week i started talking a little bit about the whole emergency goalie situation that happened between the maple leaves and carolina hurricanes um both just to kind of recap, both uh, goaltenders for Carolina got hurt and brought in David Ayers, the emergency goalie, um, to help finish out the game. The whole, the, the, the funny part about the story is he has practiced with the Toronto Marlies, which is the AHL team of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You can Google it. There's pictures out there of him with the Carolina Hurricane jersey on, but wearing a Toronto Marlies helmet. And it brought up a little bit of an issue. Um, and I, I did a kind of agree with the Maple Leafs GM saying they were basically in a lose-lose situation because either A, oh, well, you only won because it's your goalie that had a play. And he helped, you know, not really try so hard. Or you lose, and which they ended up losing, and the comments of, you got beat by your own goalie. Now, he came in, David Ayers came in the towards the end of the second period, I believe it was, and the first two shots that the Maple Leafs had did go in. Um, but after that, he stopped the remaining, I believe it was eight shots um, that the Maple Leafs had on him in the third period. So, brought up the, the, the question of should the emergency goalie policy be changed? Now, right now, what the policy basically says is... Each team has to supply a emergency goalie for both teams. Has to be available for both teams, whether he they work for the home team or or not. They have to be available for both teams. So this past uh, 
this past Monday at their annual March meetings, the GMs came together and said, you know what? The rule's fine. It doesn't really happen that much, which it doesn't. Um, the reason why this policy basically got put in place was because of a game in 2015 with the Florida Panthers. Um, their two goalies got hurt. And I believe it was the, the equipment manager or something like that came in just to finish out the game. And that's why this policy was brought about. Now, the, the league's policy of who can, who's, who could be available and everything, each team has to submit a list of amateur goaltenders and have, has to be on call during games for either teams, like I said. And this could be, you know, um, players on tryout contracts or just teams okay with hiring them as emergency goalies just from knowing their past. They don't get paid, but they do get to keep their game-worn jersey. I'm glad they didn't change this because I do agree with them. It doesn't happen a lot. This is only the second time since 2015 it has happened. Now, granted, it happened two years ago with Brian Foster. But even the NHL came out and said, since Brian Foster to the 2015 incident, it's been, you know, hundreds of games have gone without incidents. And I really don't think a goalie coming in. I mean, again, what's the chance of an emergency goalie coming in in the first period or even the start of a second period? I mean, if your goalies get hurt that quick, it's just not your night. As a team. Now I know you can't really. Change a role with that kind of thinking. But that's just kind of common sense. Uh, but like I said. I, I'm okay with them keeping this how it is. Um, I know three years ago. At the, the same meeting. The, the GMs proposed. To include a third roster spot. For goalies. A lot of coaches were against it. They felt like that would take away from, you know, having an extra defenseman or extra forward or, or whatnot. But, you know, when, when I read that, even like I said, I'm okay with them not changing it. But if they were to change it, why, why couldn't they have that third roster spot? And when you have your game time scratches that third goaltender is a scratch travels with the team wherever they go whether it's home or away but if both goaltenders get hurt he could come in you know he's not taking up a roster spot I mean obviously your goaltenders you're starting two goaltenders aren't coming back in so you're not taking uh, extra defenseman or extra forward away 
I don't know if that route got floated, but I don't think that would be a bad idea. Again, this is very rare. It happens. And I don't think you're going to get uh, goaltenders in there that, oh, well, you know, my team is shooting at me. I'm just going to let them go in so they, they can win. You know, I, I just, I hope that's not the case. Because if that is, then they do have to change this rule. But, and and like some of the GMs and coaches said, this, you know, even though it's so rare, it gives the NHL fans something to talk about. The, the feel-good story, you know, David Ayers, uh, 41-year-old Zamboni driver. He He's a, a, a donor survivor. I think, I think he had a kidney transplant. Um, or I'm sorry, liver transplant. You know, it, it screams Disney movie. You know, it gives everybody something to talk about. So, but like I said, I'm glad they didn't change it. I'm okay with the rule. I don't think many fans are upset over this rule. I mean, I really haven't seen too much other than some people saying, you know, that they agree that it shouldn't be changed. Um, it works. The old adage, why change, why change something that's not, not broke? So, speaking of being broke, looks like the New York Yankees are picking back up where they left off last year as far as injuries. I don't know who has the uh, worst medical staff, the New York Yankees or the Philadelphia Eagles of the past two years. Now, granted, the, the Eagles overhauled their, their medical team this past offseason, which, thank God, hopefully we see a better outcome there. But once again, Aaron, Jones, uh, Aaron Judge is injured, um, as well as a couple of other pitchers, and I'll, I'll get into them in a second here. But Aaron Judge underwent another MRI on Monday for his, uh, for his right shoulder. Um no news as of right now, but Brian Cashman did come out and say it's looking more likely that they're not going to have Aaron Judge ready for opening day, which is in about three weeks against Baltimore Orioles. This, I think, is a big blow. Definitely is a big blow. I should say that. Definitely is a big blow. And it started to make me wonder, is he... The Ryan Howard for the Yankees. You know, when Ryan Howard played for the Phillies, he came on the scene like a, a, a house on fire, launching home runs left and right, got the big contract, and then all of a sudden, just start breaking down. Injuries and just bad uh, plate appearances, which... Again, Aaron Judge does the same thing. I know the past two years when he was healthy, had out had some strikeout um, issues. Now, as far as I go as an Orioles fan, I'm glad to see the Yankees' big play guys not being able to get ready for the season because... Let's face it, the Orioles need all the help they can to have any type of competitiveness this year. 
I think it's going to be a couple more years before we even see or hear the Orioles get past, you know, third place of the AL East. But I bring this up because they also lost their right-hander, Luis Severano, to Tommy John surgery, and also the left-hander, James Paxton, on top of Stanton. Stanton's out again. You know, so already you have four main guys that you were planning on relying on not be able to start the season. I mean, Paxton's looking at, at at the earliest could miss the first two months of the regular season after having back surgery in February. You know, comparing to the Eagles, again, I was screaming for a year. There has to be something done about the medical staff or the strengthening and conditioning coach because to me, this screams that I I just can't I can't understand how these guys constantly get hurt every couple weeks you know is the, the medical staff team not um, rehabbing them the right way are they rushing them back too soon I mean a guy like Aaron Judge or Stanton does not have to be playing every day of spring training be out there for batting practice. Be out there for fielding practice. Throwing the ball around so you so you're staying in shape. But you don't have to play four or five games a week. You know, even three games a week. You know, ease them into the the, the year because you know the Yankees better hope that this whole shoulder injury is not a long-term injury even though the MRIs did come back negative they can't figure out why he's still still ailing and then uh, Severino with his Tommy Don John surgery he was out last year with arm issues you know it's starting to look like the Yankees are gonna have to rely on their the AAA Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders affiliate again, which it did work out last year, but at some point the luck's gonna run out on the Yankees hoping that the triple A team can just hold on until all their big stars come back healthy. I'm starting to get a little bit excited for baseball. You know, um, Never really got into the whole spring training and trying to, to watch it, but you know, I buy my dad the the MLB uh, TV thing or whatever, and he likes to, to watch the spring training and stuff like that. But again, maybe it's because the the Orioles aren't going to be that great again this year. I'm curious to see about the Phillies, how Bryce Harper does in his second year. You know, he's got the first year out of the way. I'm thinking. He's gonna do. He's gonna be a little bit better than last year, because he, he he, you know, like I said, he's got that first year out of the way. He sees how the the fans are and how they feel about their players when they're not playing good. They're gonna let you know. When you're playing great, they'll hug you and buy you a beer. 
Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, I was felt bad for him, you know, with the situation that happened to him last year, uh, blowing out his ACL. Hopefully he he comes back healthy. I think that will be a, a big bump for uh, that team. You know, the, the veteran presence and he's not the player that he used to be, but I think he still could be productive. And, you know, not to bring it up again, I am curious to see how well Houston does. You know, the, the, the one underlying stat that seems like no one wants to bring up about this whole cheating scandal, scandal is that they actually had a better road record than at home. So... I will laugh if they actually win the World Series, have a, a better home record this year than road record. And basically a big F you to the, the baseball community for, you know, bashing them. Even that story, um, them getting plunked almost all the time during spring training. How much of it is intentional? How much isn't? Listen, I, I said it, it's going to be tough to decide what was an intentional hit, one, what one wasn't. Unless you come out and say, I'm going to hit Otuve at some point during this game. And if you hit one of the other players, I think you still have some evidence there to say, listen, you know, you, you premeditated that you were going to hit one of the Astro players. Yeah. So a little football talk. Uh, Tony Romo is staying with CBS. Yes, I'm sorry, Dallas Cowboys fans. He will not be coming out of retirement, just like uh, Jason Wynn. Hopefully, Witten stays down on the field and not get back into the broadcast booth because Witten was terrible. I don't know if he was trying to be like Romo, and but it was bad. But Tony Romo signed a new contract with CBS it's anywhere between a three-year deal or a 10-year deal yes that's that's correct so as of right now it's a three-year deal 17 million dollar per year but depending on how long of the TV deals that NFL negotiates with CBS and Fox, it could get bumped up to um, up to ten years. But if the deal, the NFL deal with the TV deals, goes less than that, it's guaranteed to be no shorter than a seven-year deal. And I'll tell you what, seventeen million dollars for him. With the way he calls a football game, I think it's well worth it. You know, I just wish he had the chance to... I just wish ESPN had the chance to offer him her contract because I think it would be very entertaining to put him on Monday Night Football. I don't think we, we've had a, a good, enjoyable Monday Night um, Football crew since the Pat Summerall John Madden days 
you know, uh, John Gruden, he was okay. But towards the end there, he was just getting, he started to get ridiculous with some of his, his way he would describe things and stuff like that. Romo, I mean, yes, I hated him when he was on the Cowboys. But I'll be honest, I tune in to watch him just to, just to, to see what plays he guesses right before the ball's even snapped. It's uncanny with how he is. I mean, it's almost it's almost like he has a earpiece hearing what the coach is called. So to compare his TV deal with all his NFL contracts that he's ever played for, there was only three years that he made more than $17 million in one year. He made seventeen and a half in two thousand seven, twenty five and a half in two thousand thirteen, and seventeen million in two thousand fifteen. And he played fourteen seasons. So, in ten, in, in basically in the length of this deal, he's going to make more money than he ever did playing in the NFL. And there are some players out there that are pissed. And I don't agree with it. Michael Thomas came out and said that no TV analysis should ever make more than an NFL player. Well, you know, the contract that you're earning, where were you in the last playoff game that you played? You were silent. You had, what, three catches? You know, Mr. 10, 12 targets a game? Odell Beckham Jr. said, I'm retiring. I'm just going to become an analyst. How about you stop throwing a hissy fit first because you, you're not going to be able to do that on live TV. You'll get fined even bigger than what um, Roger Goodell does. And again, if I have to compare Romo, how he calls a game, I think is more entertaining then watching Odell Beckham throw hissy fits on the sideline because he's not getting the ball or his quarterback isn't doing that great or his coach won't call play where he's, you know, not the number one guy. Like, dude, shut up. Go a full year without causing drama for a team. Which sounds like he's sticking around with Cleveland because he did agree with them that He'll help unveil the, the new uniforms. So congratulations, Tony Romo. Well-deserved. Can't wait to hear some of your games for the next 7 to 10 years. So speaking of um, wide receiver prima donnas or whatever you want, you know, divas, what do you want to call them? More information is coming out about Alshon Jeffrey with stuff that happened last year with the Eagles. So last year, I forget which week it was, you know, third, fourth week, whichever, a anonymous source told a ESPN reporter that you know, Carson Wentz has no control of the, the locker room. 
Um, the the offense has to be dumbed down. Even Peyton Manning knew when to check down. You know, so basically taking shots at Carson Wentz. Some people thought it was Nelson Aguilar. Some people thought it was Alshon Jeffrey. A lot of it, a lot of the the people that thought it was Alshon Jeffrey thought it was that because he was always seen talking to this ESPN reporter. Jeffrey denied it, still denies it. About a month ago, he came out and said he would be open to going to a different team via trade. Definitely will be hard for Philly to get rid of him. And this is not a good spot for the Eagles to be in. And here's why. Because on one hand, if you keep him in a locker room, this will carry over the whole year. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Any type of drama between a wide receiver and a quarterback or a running back with, you know, quarterback. Every week, they got to get answered or they got to get asked those questions. Did you say this? Did you say that? On the flip side, if the Eagles cut them, it will cost them $10 million in cap space. As of right now, they're sitting at about $40 million in cap space. They obviously have holes in cornerback. They got to upgrade cornerback. They got to get some type of wide receiver core help. Love Deshaun, but he's got to stay healthy. Jeffrey was a no-show last year. Nelson Aguilar... All he did was drop balls. You had practice squad guys, Greg Ward. You know, even JJ didn't step up like I was hoping for him. They got to they gotta get help in there. So if you cut him, that takes you down to $30 million to sign all your draft picks, sign your free agents that you don't want to hit the free agency, and then try to get upgrades at cornerback and wide receiver. That's going to just wipe out that cap space. And I'll be honest, I don't know how to fix this situation. I mean, you know, I rather them keep him there, roll the dice. Hopefully, Carson and Jeffrey could work this out and get past it you know Jeffrey is obviously on the decline as far as production I think we picked him up at the right time and helped out in 2017 for the Super Bowl but now he's on a decline and you don't want that that toxic relationship around your young quarterback that you're still trying to build up to be the superstar that you feel like he is. I think Carson's right there. Now his step is gotta win a playoff game. He is our Steve Young. He's gotta get that monkey off his back. Once he gets that monkey off his back, I think a lot of pressure off him will be done. But having 
this toxic relationship with Jeffrey around is not going to help it. So the reason why I bring this up is when these sources came out that there was some rifts in the locker room, (coughs) a Philadelphia Eagle player actually confronted Jeffrey about these statements and the two had to be separated. Now, the name of that player has not been released yet, but my guess, just looking at how that offense is, I got to think it's either Jason Kelsey or, or, or Lane Johnson. I think both guys are very outspoken players. And I think they both will defend their quarterback till the end, especially Lane Jan- uh, Johnson. But when I saw this, I mean, this is why I think they, they they need to figure out a way to somehow get him off the team. Because we we remember this happened with the the T.O. and McNabb thing where Hugh Douglas <coughs> went after T.O. in the locker room. And those two had to be separated because punches were thrown. So this is not a good start to... The Eagles season, when the Eagles season didn't even technically start yet. I mean, we, you know, we're still about a week or so away from free agency. So speaking of free agency, I, I brought it up about how we have to upgrade our cornerback situation. Came out that Carolina Panthers cornerback James Bradley, who figures to n- not be resigned by the Panthers is looking to make $15 million or more per year on a new deal. Even before looking at anything, I was okay with this because I don't want Byron Jones. I don't think he's... I think he's going to be a, a Namde Asamoah signing for us again. I just don't think he's going to fit well. And he wanted more than 16 because he came out and said that $16 million was too low. Here's the thing about... Bradbury. He's tall. He's six foot one. Big body, 212. So, you know, when you're down inside the red zone, I think he could help box out you know the, the receivers. And he's played in the FC South. You know, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, um just to name a couple big name receivers and has locked him down. Now, he doesn't catch a lot of interceptions. In four seasons, he has eight interceptions, but he has 47 pass defenses. I'm okay with that. You know, that to me tells tells me that you're quick at reading the ball enough to get your hand in there and break up the passes, which I think would help our defensive line. Because if you're playing close to the receiver, unless you're Jameis Winston, a lot of times a quarterback's not going to throw to him or force it in there unless they have to. And I think that's what was one of our major problems last year with our defensive line was that our corners were not giving our D-line enough time to get in there.
Now, he is going to be joining, like I said, Byron Jones and Chris Harris are the three big guys uh, that are going to be at the top of the cornerback free agency list. If I had to list those three, I would go Bradbury first. I would like Chris Harris, then Byron Jones. And to put this whole uh, Bradbury $15 million per year perspective, because it is a lot of money, but the past few years have hovered around $14, $15 million a year for a top corner. Uh, Xavier Howard, I believe, from the Miami Dolphins was the last big name to get that $15 million a year. So just like we're going to see probably with the running back position, you may you know see the 15 16 million year uh, corners and uh, really hoping that we get Bradbury to definitely get an upgrade uh, at corner I definitely would like to see Jalen Mills come back I want Darby gone I want Malcolm Jenkins to stick around but it's looking more and more like we may let him you know, walk or look for a trade. Rodney McLeod is another one. Uh, I would like to see him stick around, but I, I think he may be gone just because of his contract. If he goes, I wonder if we drop Avante Maddox back to his safety position because he didn't play that bad at safety when McLeod got hurt uh, a couple years ago. Now, another Eagle player in the news, well, former Eagle player in the news, and I'm hoping to get with Shoulders and, and Allentown this weekend to see what they feel about this, but Nick Foles may be on the outs with Jacksonville, with them coming out and saying they are, they're looking to trade him, and they're going all in with Minshew. Now, let's not forget that Foles left Philly to sign with Jacksonville on a four-year, $88 million contract last year. So already, the Jaguars are behind the eight ball here because that's a big, uh, big contract for a backup. They're not going to pay a backup you know, $22 million. And that's why Philly let him walk because they didn't want to pay him $22 million. Now, the contract did include a $25 million signing bonus and $50 million of it was guaranteed. Really didn't do anything in his starts. I mean, he went 0-4. He had an 84.6 passer rating. Compared to Minshew, who went six, uh, six and six, and had a ninety-one point two passer rating. Already, fans, Eagles fans, are clamoring at this. Oh, let's get him back. Let's get another Super Bowl. But here's the thing: you all bitch and complain that Carson Wentz can't stay healthy and is never going to win the Super Bowl because he can't stay healthy. Foles is the same way. 
He's only started 13 regular season games since 2016. And he's never started more than 11 in a game. You look at Carson. Okay. Last year was the first year that uh, he went 17 games. And I don't want to hear about, oh, well, he got knocked out of the playoff game. Let a 300-pound guy spear you in the head and see if you don't get a concussion at full speed. So stop with that. But if if we bring Foles in, and I don't think we are, because, again, I think we have bigger needs than a $15, $20 million backup. If you bring Foles in, you're never going to let Carson grow because he's always going to be looking over his shoulder. He's always going to have to answer those questions about, well, you know, do you think the team will play better if Nick comes in or, or this and that? I think it's going to be more of a headache than it needs to be. I think, you know, Marcus Mariota, hell of a lot cheaper, could be a good backup. I think Josh McCown, you could probably convince him to come back. I know he said he wants to play still. And even Nate Sudfeld. I mean, where is he's not going anywhere to start. Why not try to bring him back? He's a decent backup. Nothing great. Now, one name I did see, and not to get off this Nick Foles subject, but Taysom Hill. That, you know, I've seen a couple reports that Philly should go after him as a backup. I don't think Taysom Hill would sign here because he's never going to start and he already said that if the Saints don't look at him as a starter, maybe it's time to move on. You know, Drew Brees says he coming back, he's coming back for one more year. Maybe Taysom Hill signs a two, three-year deal, stays with the Saints. But it's just funny how there's something about Philly and Nick Foles. Foles, you know, was a, a pro bowler back in 2013. With his 27 touchdowns, six interceptions, seven interceptions, whatever it was, gets traded to St. Louis, was horrendous there, signs with the Chiefs, didn't do anything there, comes to Philly, played very well when he came in, won us the Super Bowl, goes to Jacksonville, 0 4. The only thing I could think of is he's a system guy. You know, Doug Peterson is a a student of Andy Reid. Runs kind of the same offense. I mean, that's what it screams like, you know. But I just hope that we don't trade for him because we have bigger needs than a $22 million backup quarterback. And I know shoulders would be like, well... I'm good with them. You know, we need a backup quarterback. Not $22 million, though. Sorry. Sorry. So before we go, we're going to talk a little bit of XFL games uh, we have this weekend. Kind of got away from it the, the past two weeks. But we got Seattle versus Houston. Uh, New York versus Dallas. St. Louis Battle Hawks versus the D.C. Defenders. Tampa Bay Vipers versus the L.A. Wildcats. Now... When I was talking to Shoulders in Allentown, I said, you know, when we start 
bring these XFL games back. I want, I want to do a, a game of the week. And I think this week is going to be the New York versus Dallas game. Just because, I mean, just look at these records. I mean, Seattle's 1-3 going up against Houston's 4 and I'll admit, I'm a Seattle Dragons fan. I don't think we have a chance. If Aaron Silver is still starting there this weekend, I'm just turning the TV off. I don't think he's that good. We put B.J. Daniels in there. You saw that offense totally different. He's a he's a bigger quarterback. Even with him in there, and if he plays how he played against St. Louis, I still don't think we could beat P.J. Walker and uh, Phillips, their, their receiver. Uh, St. Louis Battlehawks versus D.C. Defenders. I mean, listen, they were 11-point favorite over Seattle last week and only beat them by seven, and that was close. What would have happened if B.J. Daniels started the first half? You know, I was not impressed. Uh, And then the last game... This should be a barn burner. Tampa Bay versus LA. Both one and three. I don't think that's going to be a good game. But here's the thing about the New York-Dallas game that I have for our game of the week. It's at Dallas, who is 0-2 at home. And New York is on the road, who is 0-2 on the road. I expect this to be a high-scoring game because both teams suck. At home and on the road. Four weeks into the season, I'm still enjoying it. Obviously, last week with the Seattle game, we finally seen a rule that the XFL is going to have to fix. And what it was was Seattle was going in for the uh, for the touchdown. Um, I believe it was B.J. Daniels actually, and. A uh, little melee skirmish broke out. Flags got thrown. Unsportsmanlike conduct on the St. Louis uh, player, which was a 15-yard penalty assessed on the kickoff. Now, here's the thing is, they already kick off on the 35-yard line. So now it moves up to the 50-yard line. And with the kickoff rules, you have to get that ball between the end zone and the 20-yard line in midair which is already hard to do now you're only 30 yards away make it more difficult granted they got lucky and was able to kick it in between the the goal line and 20 yard line but my opinion I think they should change that rule where if it's against the receiving team the 15-yard penalty will be enforced on the first play of offense, not on the kickoff. That would be the, the most logical thing, I would think. But, we'll, you know, we'll have to wait till the offseason to see what kind of rules they uh, they tweak and, and change and stuff like that. But I'm enjoying it. Not sure about you guys. Just imagine what Tony Romo would be doing if he was calling some of these these games as well. So, I think that's going to be it for this week. I appreciate you guys sticking around. Um, Hopefully, I could get with Shoulders in Allentown this weekend. We could maybe rehash some of these stories and get their opinions and 
you know, fight with them and get shoulders fired up over Nick Foles possibly coming back to Philly. <laughs> Uh, so before we go, head over to Twitter, follow us there at ST Sports Podcast, as well as our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Um, head over to staytunesports.net. On the right-hand side is all our social medias and uh, where you can find us to, to listen to us. And there's a Fanatic um, banner there. Click that to, to make your, your bobblehead purchases or whatever your uh, birthday gifts you want to buy your, your kids or your spouse so till next time this is your good friend Jimbo signing out